0: Welcome to The Week Ahead in Russia, RFURL's Monday podcast about significant developments and upcoming events in Moscow and beyond. I'm Steve Cutterman and my guest today is Olga Oliker, Program Director for Europe and Central Asia at the Crisis Group. Thank you very much for joining us today, uh, Dr. Oliker.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: All right. It's always great to have you on the podcast. Um, now, in the prelude just now, I, I mentioned a momentous development that occurred late last week. That, of course, uh, was i sorry—that, of course, was the Russian retreat from the southern Ukrainian city of Kherson, which is now under Ukrainian control again uh, for the first time since shortly after Russia. Uh, launched its uh, large-scale invasion of Ukraine uh, in February, on February 24th. Um, there were scenes of jubilation uh, in in Kherson uh, late Friday and over the weekend as well. Um, and the Russian forces have retreated. Um, Kherson's on the the right bank or west bank of the uh, Dnieper River or Dnipro. Uh, and Russian forces have retreated uh, to, to the other bank, the left bank, uh, eastern bank. Now, just some context here, Kherson was the only regional capital uh, in Ukraine that Russian forces have seized since the invasion uh, in February. Uh, and, and in fact, they, they tried and failed to take several regional capitals, um, including Chernygev in the north, Kharkiv, and Sumy in the east, and of course uh, the Ukrainian capital, Kiev. Um, and they certainly also have had designs on Nikolaev, Odessa, Zaporizhia, uh, uh, among, other, among other regional capitals in Ukraine. In fact, the only, the only bigger city that Russian forces have taken since the invasion, and which they still hold, is Mariupol, uh, which they virtually leveled in months of attacks that turned the city into one of many symbols of the barbarity of Russia's unprovoked assault on Ukraine. Uh, The retreat from Kherson uh, is also the latest in a number of major setbacks for Russia on the battlefield, including a successful counterattack in which Ukrainian forces liberated a large amount of territory in the Kharkiv region and part of the Donetsk region in September. Um, and and actually the liberation of of Kherson is part of a um, the result of part of a counteroffensive in the south uh, by Ukrainian forces Um, And while Russians are certainly getting a skewed picture, uh, Russians back home, certainly getting a skewed picture of events on TV and other state media or state loyal media uh, They are hearing about these setbacks uh, to some degree. In fact, The retreat from Kherson was announced on state TV in advance in what appeared to be a tightly choreographed meeting between Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu and the commander of Russian operations in Ukraine. Uh, This appeared to be meant in part uh, to to shift blame away from Putin. Putin was not involved in that meeting. Uh, So Ukraine's recapture of Kherson is a big deal, of course, but Russian forces still hold much of the southern part of the Kherson region, and they still control a so-called land bridge or land corridor leading from the Russian border um, westward through Mariupol and along the Azov Sea coast to the isthmus that links mainland Ukraine to Crimea, which Russia has occupied since 2014. Um, Now, that turns out to have been a long setup for what is actually a pretty short question uh, for Dr. Olaker, Uh, Is the liberation of Kherson a game changer, either in terms of the war in Ukraine or the situation in Russia and the perception of the war among Russians?
1: So thanks, Steve. Um, You know, it's, it's a weird game to judge because everything is constantly changing. Uh, But um, the real changes come somewhat uh, more intermittently. Uh, Ukraine's counteroffensive in late August and September, that was uh, a game changer. The Russian announcement that it was quote-unquote annexing Ukrainian territory that it didn't even control was a game changer. Herson is certainly important for all the reasons you said. It is tremendously important for the people of Herson, who I think we've all seen celebrating uh, their liberation. Uh, it's important tactically, but this is far from the end of the war, unless, of course, it is the end of the war. But what we, you know, what Herson um, was, it wasn't that they had horrid battles in the city. I mean, perhaps in order to avoid that. Um, the Ukrainians seem to have allowed uh, one way or another for the Russian forces to have retreated. Having retreated, they're regrouping. um presumably, they're preparing for more fighting. presumably they're you know they've found them they've put themselves in more defensible positions and are moving around to other parts of Ukraine. Um, You know, we don't know what either Russia's plans or Ukraine's plans are. We do know that both of them have them, right? So there are several potential fronts for this war, Uh, more in the south, uh, certainly continuing in the east. And we've heard a lot about Russia moving forces and equipment into Belarus. Uh, Most analysts think that's a lower probability, at least for the time being, but it's still something to keep an eye on. And then domestically within Russia, this is another one, Um, wait and see. To some extent, we've seen the Kremlin try to convince the population of Russia that this this is World War II all over again. And that creates, and I'm speculating a bit here, but that does create a certain amount of space because uh, if you think back to your World War II history, it started quite badly um, for Russia when uh, when the Germans uh, when the Germans invaded. It started quite badly indeed in Ukraine. So, you know, I think that there's a, there's a narrative you can say that uh, it will still get better. Um, I don't know how believable that is, and I don't even know how much the Kremlin believes it but you know i guess my my bottom line with a whole lot of words is to say it's too early to tell
0: okay well that that certainly makes sense and and i would just note um i just saw on um that the narrative about world war ii and the idea that you know this is kind of a setback at, at the start at one point putin said fairly recently still a few months ago that um you know, we have not yet begun to fight, essentially. Um, and I believe last night on on state TV in Russia, um, uh, Dmitry Kislyov, um, who's kind of one of the one of the main conduits of, of the, the message, the propaganda uh, from the Kremlin, it's said that um, you know this is a setback, uh, but um, the troops will be back, and uh, you know will be recaptured um you know i i don't know but, you know obviously um th- that's something that a lot a lot of russian propagandists are saying um you know but and whether that's believable um you know by by the people i guess is, is another question but certainly um and and the the idea of 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 Portraying this as World War II, as kind of a repeat of World War II is you know it has been a big part um, of of the of the of the state's narrative, I, I guess, in in Russia, despite the the immense the immense differences. Um, you know, they've been calling uh, the forces from from the Donbass that are you know fighting on on the Russian side. They've been calling them allies, kind of with a capital A, um, as if. Um, you know, the equivalent of of the allies during World War II and and that sort of thing. I guess, uh, so whether it changes the percept, whether that's, you know, whether the the kind of the the Kremlin's grip on on Russians' perception of the war can can be held, you know, I'm not sure. It does seem to be, I would say, uh, slipping to some degree. But uh, for the next question, I'm going to take less time uh, introducing it. Uh, basically, I will say that uh, along with the Russian retreat from Kherson has come an increased amount of talk about talks, um, about negotiations, the possibility of negotiations, including signs that the United States, uh, while not pushing Kiev to negotiate with Moscow, uh, certainly at this point, is suggesting that Ukraine at least show itself to be open to the idea of negotiations um, at some point um, and to think about what its demands and its positions uh, might be. Um, Olga, what do you think? Uh, Are the prospects for negotiations increasing now or, or not really?
1: So I think the prospects for negotiations really increase uh, if the Russian, if and when the Russians start offering concessions. The Ukrainians are winning. They feel like they're winning. They look like they're winning. They have very little incentive to offer concessions unless for some reason they know deep down that they're about to run out of weapons and money. Since the weapons and money are primarily coming from the West, uh, the only reason they would fear that they're going to run out would be if they had... Um, A notion that Western states were going to cease supporting them—that's certainly something Russia would like to see, but it's not at all what uh, what is happening at present. So, I think while the United States would certainly like to see a negotiated settlement to end this war, it's not going to put—it's not going to tell the Ukrainians we're going to withdraw support. um, So, go ahead and make a deal. Uh, You know, the United States support for Ukraine uh, isn't—it's not being done entirely out of goodwill and uh high morals it's being done because of the notion that if russia is successful in ukraine that will it will pose more of a threat to european security down the road so you know i think there there's still an alignment between what ukraine wants and what the u.s wants i do think part of the u.s push was that uh president Zelensky. Had um, been very, uh, very forceful, thing, saying things that you know that they would not be negotiating with uh, Russia as long as Vladimir Putin was in charge of Russia, and um, I think the United States suspects there's a pretty good chance that if there's a deal, it's going to have to be signed with Putin's Russia because there isn't another Russia at present, and there aren't you know high odds that there's going to be another Russia anytime soon. So I think they were nervous about that. Um, But again, I I think that there is an understanding that the impetus for negotiations would have to come from the Russians starting to offer something, at least with things as they stand. Uh, We've also heard talk of various discussions and negotiations between other people, whether there's any there there, I could not tell you. But I would suspect not yet. Um, Again, the uh, Russians were able to withdraw their more capable forces out of Kherson. They're regrouping. I think they're still counting on the winter being on their side, though thus far the European weather has been firmly uh, behind Ukraine. Uh, I think the Russians are hoping that it will change sides and create more pressure on European countries um, to question their support for Kiev. Uh, we'll we'll see how that works out. Uh, we'll also see what happens on the battlefield. Uh, this has been a really tough war to predict for the last uh, going on nine months.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned the, the, the weather um, being on the Ukraine side so far in Europe uh, this winter or this fall, um, um, creating kind of, you know, not, not as not as bad a situation as, as might have been uh, with, with colder weather in terms of the energy supplies. Um, but it, it does seem like this this winter will be a big test uh, in the case of of resolve in the West. Um, I, I'm going to ask a, a follow-up question that's a little bit maybe sensitive, but um, you mentioned kind of the, that the U.S. was concerned about um, Zelensky's previous statement that there would be no negotiations uh, with with Putin in power or or perhaps no deal signed with Putin in power Um, and that seems to have he seems to have toned that down recently um, he didn't mention it in in a recent um, uh, comments about you know about the potential for for talks Um, one other issue uh, the Wall Street Journal reported um, that the US kind of has suggested you know that when and if it came to talks, Ukraine should be considering whether to reconsider. Sorry, considering whether to reconsider its essentially its demand or uh, for for Crimea to be returned in any, in any kind of um, you know set, settlement. Uh, Crimea and obviously all the other parts of Ukraine that are that are now under Russian. Control, so I guess my question would be, do you think there's any room for for movement there Um, um, or or not?
1: So I think Ukraine's prospects for reintegrating Crimea depend a great deal on how this war continues and how it ends. But they would be foolish to give it away a priori. the Russians certainly aren't giving anything away a priori. They continue to claim to claim that they own territory that they don't that they you know they claim to have annexed and that they never controlled. Now they control even less of it and they continue to claim it. I think putting pressure on Ukraine to adapt its demands and expectations in advance, um, you know, I think the Ukrainians are right in thinking that well, that's crazy. why would they why would they give stuff away? um if they don't have to if they've got a chance to get everything back they're gonna try to get everything back um of course you don't you know they don't know we don't know how things will go but the notion that the ukrainians are, you know should offer some signs of goodwill or something you know they were the ones that were invaded and right now they're the ones that are making progress on the battlefield so it's um you know, it's not a it's not a very reasonable ask of them, um, and I think um, it would also be really difficult domestically to make such a promise for the Zelensky government. He's got a population, which something like ninety nine percent thinks that Ukraine should be getting all of its territory back, um, and should not stop fighting until that happens, and that is. You know, that, that was actually the case, um, very high numbers, maybe not quite as high, even before the counteroffensive. Um, so, you know, there's not a lot of visible opposition in Ukraine, but uh, do not be fooled. Ukraine has a, a dynamic uh, and contested uh, polity, which is not going to be enthusiastic about a leadership that wants to give things away before it has to.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Those are those are great points. And um, I, I guess I should sort of qualify what I said, because um, I, um, President Biden did say the other day that, you know, something about talks, you know, when when Russia is ready to to withdraw uh, from Ukraine that and that would include Crimea, though he didn't mention it uh, in, in that case. Um, uh, but obviously, it is the U.S. position that, that Crimea is is Ukraine, uh, Ukrainian as it is. And, and another thing I've just sort of men- mentioned, since you uh, just, you know, sometimes it's, um, it, it is pretty staggering, you know, as you say, Russia is, Russia has uh, made no sign of, of uh, making any concessions uh, in terms of territory or really anything else. Um, and uh, it's still, you know, as you say, claimed, contro- claimed, it is claiming four regions plus Crimea, but four, four regions in mainland Ukraine as its own. It controls parts of of all four, um, parts it's never controlled, and it has lost. I think about now half the territory that uh, that Russian forces uh, gained, you know, since February twenty fourth has 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 been recaptured by by Ukraine. So you know, these are. You know the the whole kind of foundation or background of this of this is some pretty some pretty crazy um, claims by Russia. Um, now I, I guess um, we're running a little short on time, but I'd like to take a few questions uh, if there are any. So uh, please come come forward if anyone has any questions. All right, and uh, if not, we can uh, wrap this uh, Twitter space up here. Uh, Dr. Oliker, uh, thanks very much for your time and your insights.
1: Thank you once again for having me. Always a pleasure.
0: All right, uh, thanks again. and uh, hope you can join us again soon. Uh, once again, I've been speaking to Olga Oliker, Program Director for Europe and Central Asia at the Crisis Group. And my name is Steve Gutterman, Editor for Russia-Ukraine in Belarus, in the Central Newsroom at RFERL. As I mentioned at the start, this conversation will also be published as a podcast, and you can subscribe to The Week Ahead in Russia and other RFERL podcasts on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'll be back next Monday for another edition of The Week Ahead in Russia, and please keep an eye out for my newsletter, The Week in Russia, on Friday. Thanks for listening.